Welcome to another episode of Run the Play. My name is Obes. And I'm Cha. This is the podcast where we talk about sports, sports, and more sports. Mostly football and basketball, college football, a little bit of NFL when it's important, which it is today. NBA basketball, college basketball, then anything else interesting that happens in literally any other sport, we'll talk about it. Cha, what we got first? Founder of the HB League, Andy Schwartz, had a proverbial sit-down with us to discuss Senate Bill 206 passing in the California Assembly. We talk about its potential impact on the landscape of collegiate sports and so much more. Let's have a listen. Andy, how's it going? It's going very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, Shaw hit me up earlier today, and I saw a little bit of scuttlebutt about this on Twitter about um, Senate Bill 206 passing in, in the state of California. And I know this has like a great deal of impact on your fight with, with, the, with the HBL, as well as a larger fight of getting um, college athletes, student athletes to be able to profit off their own likeness. Like what is uh, SB 206? So SB 206 is the work, the primary uh, senator involved is a woman named Nancy Skinner. She's the, the state senator from Oakland and Berkeley out here in, in California. Um, she has a co-author, uh, Stephen Bradford, who's from sort of South Central L.A. And the two of them uh, wrote this bill, I guess you could say, at, the, at my urging. I, I met Senator Skinner when she was between political office. She was termed out in our in our assembly, the lower house, she took a couple years off and then she ran for Senate and won and, and bent her ear until she finally agreed to, to write a bill. And then she's taken this and really run with it. And what the bill essentially says is that in California rules that essentially prevent athletes from commercializing their name, image, and likeness or their athletic reputation while they're on scholarship, those rules are illegal. You can't make as a condition of having a scholarship a rule that says you can't commercialize your name, image, and likeness. So currently, like if you remember back when Johnny Manziel signed autographs and got, he didn't even get paid, but he knew somebody was going to commercialize it. That was a condition under which his scholarship could be revoked and his eligibility um, uh, taken away. And in California, starting it's a, it's a big, long grace period. So starting in January of 2023, conduct like that or more more advanced commercial conduct, like having an Adidas shoe deal, won't be sufficient for you to lose your athletic scholarship or lose your eligibility. Nice, nice. So has this, has that, has that passed both houses of California government or is there just one? It has passed both, but the assembly, the lower house, which voted second, changed it a little bit, so it has to go back to the Senate. But oh. it passed. It passed thirty-one to five the first time in the Senate, so we don't think it's going to be a problem. I've been told it's a formality. The only real question is whether Governor Newsom, our, our governor, is going to sign it. Now, in other issues, he's been very big on people getting rights despite power structures. Uh, against it. Like he was the mayor of San Francisco when San Francisco started issuing 
um, same-sex marriage licenses, even though it was against California law at the time, and really, in some ways, triggered that big debate. I would hope a person who sees someone's, you know, right to marry would also not be like, oh, but it's inconvenient for schools for athletes to have a right to their own name. Um, I would hope he would recognize that that those are inconsistent policies, but but you never know. The other thing is, is that it passed last night in the assembly 72 to nothing. There were some abstentions, but nobody wanted to be on record as being opposed to this bill. That strikes me as the kind of of like that's the not a good hill to die on with a veto when it passed in the Senate 31 to five and it passed in the assembly 72 to nothing. It probably would get overridden. So I'm hoping that that whatever pressure they like, unless they have pictures or something, I don't really know what the NCA would do to to pressure the governor into not signing. So everyone is very confident, you know, with the usual knock on woods that this is actually going to pass. I guess so. my question is now I know schools within California can't revoke eligibility, but would the NCAA still be able to revoke eligibility or like how would that conflict work now? Yeah, so this is probably a little bit outside of, of my skill set. The law says that that no one can do this to a California student. Mm. Um, so what the NCAA has said is that, okay, fine. Well, if this happens, we're not going to let California teams into any of our championships, meaning – you know, not that not that any California teams are in danger of making the football playoff, but um, <laughs> but like in like in the sports that we're good at, like swimming and and track and and uh, water polo and pick a sport, you know, any any sport besides basketball. Man, women's basketball. We're, we're we're still good in women's basketball, and yes. um, um, and those athletes, in theory, will be denied. Those teams will be not invited to the tournaments. In practice, well, so for one thing, what that succeeded in doing was pissing off the assembly. Who, that's why I'm pretty convinced they voted 72 to nothing in favor of this bill, because when a private organization tries to bully a state legislature, mm-hmm. the state has a lot of power. Um, Amazon tried to bully California, and if you think the NCAA is powerful, Amazon's a lot, a lot more powerful. And the state country. said, "No, we're we're going to call your bluff," because Amazon was like, "You can't tax." They were refusing to pay taxes on certain kinds of transactions. The state said, no, these are taxable transactions, and it's not fair to local realtors if an out-of-state uh, – not realtors, uh, um, retailers – if an out-of-state retailer that's really functioning in-state is able to exist tax for you. Get your, your, it's an unfair advantage. Amazon said, if you do that, we're going to pull out. The state did it. Amazon didn't pull out. So like the state is used to having bluffs and, and calling them. And so the NCAA's was already a little bit weak, which is kind of like you're not going to get to play like we're going to take our ball and go home. Um, but I just I feel like we have three years. Other states have said they might tag along. We're probably going to get to the spot where where when push comes to shove, I think the 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 odds are it's the NCAA that blanks, not not California and say the 10 other states that have joined in the meantime. Interesting. But you never know. Like, I, I think it would be interesting. It would be funny to me to see if um, the NCAA could boycott its way into a death spiral mm. where where it says, well, we're not going to let let's just Washington state has made noise about this. Imagine Washington, Oregon and California do it. So essentially 
the the Pac-12, the old Pac-10 anyway, or Pac-8 anyway, um, does it. And they boycott the schools into forming their own league. And suddenly the other, this, this own league does what the HBL wants to do, begins to say like, well, now that we aren't under NCAA rules, we're actually going to compete for athletes by paying for them. And you see a gradual shift of talent out of the ACC and into this sort of Pac-88 sort of world. Um, at some point, whether other states are like, hey, we want to get on the action. And, and essentially, you're left with just Indiana as the NCAA, where the athletes right. don't get paid. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and so it's, it's hard to know. It, it, it's that this is a the, the economic way to avoid this question is to say it's an empirical question. We need to see the data. We don't know. But it strikes me that California, unlike maybe, you know, Rhode Island, is a big enough state with a big enough economy and important enough athletic programs that if the NCAA really, really did follow through, that we would be okay and we would be okay for long enough that others would join us. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to agree with you there, especially I don't think the NCAA wants to lose that TV money um, in California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, like, so, like, as we've been sitting here, I was thinking about, okay, who are the California schools that are in the what's currently the Pac-12 or historically the Pac-8? So you have UCLA, USC, Stanford, and Cal, right? And then the other four teams that were in the original Pac-8 were Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. So yeah. if I'm if I'm the Pac-12, I'm Larry Scott. I'm probably even though externally he's talking like he's part of the NCAA, I'm probably very nervous because like. Let's say they go with your idea. They decide to form their own league, right? So you have the original Pac-8 schools. They form their own league. What does that do to Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado? Like those schools are like, wait, what's? <laughs> hang on a second. Like we, yeah. we can't really those exist not, without those these schools. Those are not schools. standalone schools, right? Right. Yeah. right. Like, we can't exist without these gonna, schools. Right. They're gonna want to. Well, I mean, if the if the Big Ten would take them, they'd go. But if <laughs> not, they're gonna want to stick stick with this Pac-8 and say like, wait, wait. Bring Arizona along with you too. Bring, bring Colorado and Utah along with you. And suddenly now there's a whole block of states where the primary form of college sports is non NCAA sports. Right. Like it would, as an economist, this would just fascinate me to watch. It's sort of the same way that I can't wait for the HBO to launch for us to start signing athletes and to see whether or not the schools can get their heads out of their asses and react. I don't think they will, but if they do, then it will be fascinating to watch too. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one huge domino that I think sort of sets off like a major, you know, run of events. Um, I I assume Governor Newsom will sign it. I've been I've been following his career since about twenty fourteen, fifteen. Right back when I found out he existed and that he was going to run for um, that he was running lieutenant for governor. governor. He, was, he, he was the lieutenant governor at the time. Okay. And uh, so, like, I've been following his his career. I think, with the exception of killing that big, um, like, uh, like bullet train idea, I think everything else has basically been as you would expect the Democratic governor of California to operate. Who so, who used to be the mayor of San Francisco? Right. That that's another big thing. He used to be the mayor of San Francisco. It's like you go you go from as liberal a city as there is in in this country. To being the governor as as liberal a state as there is in the country, so I I would anticipate that he would sign this, but like you said, you never know. I didn't think he was going to kill that train bill, but but he did. So 
you know, until until he actually signs on the dotted line, I guess we're sort of waiting to see what happens. Yeah. But he, he seems like the type of guy, especially with, and this, this is something you actually noted, is that the NCAA per, behaves in a very Trumpian manner. They hey, sort yes. of do they sort of do what they want to do when they want to do it without any real justification as to why. Like you, like perfect example, you look at the amount of people who have gotten waivers to be immediately eligible at the new schools that they transferred to in college football. So you think about Ohio State gains a transfer quarterback from Georgia, he's immediately eligible. The guy that was at Ohio State transferred to Miami, he's immediately eligible. Kids that are transferring to all these big-name schools, they're immediately eligible. Then somebody transfers from Western Michigan to Michigan State, and that guy's not eligible. Somebody transfers yeah. from Kansas. Quentin Grimes is the kid's name. Is the kid's name. Somebody transfers from Kansas to University of Houston to be closer to home, and it's up in the air about whether he'll be immediately eligible. I guarantee if he had gone from Houston to Kansas, he'd be eligible. So there's no consistency, no real justification. And it's basically what they're doing right here, um, sort of bluffing the state of California, or bluffing uh, Governor Gavin Newsom to, to not sign or to veto this, this past legislation. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see. See what happens. I see do you know do. There, there was an old Jerry Tarkanian, the the old UNLV coach? He captured this the, the what you just explained perfectly by saying the NCAA is so furious at Kentucky they're going to give Cleveland State five more years of probation. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Oh, he, what a, what a great guy, Jerry Tarkanian. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that you know you just described it. I mean, rec, the NCAA says says it this way: we are a member organization. All we do in Indianapolis, and this is more true than it used to be, is enact the will of our members. But the will of the members, not all members are created equal. And so <laughs> what they really are, what they really are is that they are a well, they're one thing they're a price fixing cartel to keep the, the, the wages of their empo- of the employees low. <laughs> and whether you think that they're real employees or not, they keep the workforce unpaid, underpaid. And then separately, they are a system designed to distribute up the wealth that's generated by that cartel in a way that's not equal, but that essentially over rewards or not over rewards, rewards more, the more valuable schools in the system so that everybody's happy. And so that means they have to give everybody at the bottom a little enough to feel like sticking in enough to make it so that when we went to HBCUs and said, come join us, you're only getting, if you're a D one school, a million dollars a year, if you're a D two school, $100,000 a year, we can make it up for you. For them to say, no, thanks. Okay, good. We've got the guys at the bottom. The guys at the top, every time Jim Delaney threatens to, to maybe have to leave, if you don't, we don't get what we want, okay, well, we'll sweeten the pot for you. It's a, it's a juggling act of trying to, to divvy out this money. But when push comes to shove, pissing off the little guys doesn't matter to them nearly as much as trying to avoid pissing off the big guys because – the NCAA is nothing. If the Power Five splits off, forms its own basketball tournament, that's an invitational, and they invite 30 non-Power Five schools a year, they can replicate March Madness in a heartbeat. The NCAA can't do that if the Power Five leave. Very true. And without the without without March Madness, the NCAA is just a uh, you know an off a bunch of offices in Indianapolis with a two million dollars C C O O CEO whatever they call Emmert who doesn't deserve it. That's true. I'd love to, I'd love to see the Power Five schools leave. Um, it, it, it that would be like a huge reset for you know G five schools. Like all of a sudden, Houston becomes the NCAA darling because like it's like the biggest city 
with the biggest school that's not currently in a Power Five conference. So yeah, that might so even, it would that, also that be might even benefit us. <laughs> it would be, <laughs> it would be interesting to see whether then five years into it, whether suddenly that whatever we want to call the Power Five, you know, the 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 uh, OCAA or whatever, whether they would start trying to lure Houston. You know what? You are a big city. You 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 know your program should be major league college. Come join, come join this new entity, and whether we'd see the same way we see FCS schools gradually working their way into FBS, whether we would see schools willing to take the plunge, and then it depends. Like, if is that is that Power Five driven thing? Is that a professional college sports thing along the lines of the HBL, or is it just more? Is it just amateurism with but with better locker rooms? Right. So speaking of the HBL, we talked about that. At length, last time we had you on. So, guys, go ahead and check that out on, the, on the, the Chicken Social. All those episodes are still up, even though we don't make any more of them. Um, what's, I guess, what, what's the update with the HBO? What's what's new there? Um, there's a ton that's new, um, and in fact, I it's it's well, as we record this, it's the 10th of September. Either today, later today, but I think at this point tomorrow we're making an announcement about even new members who are joining our advisory, our athlete advisory board. Um, we're bringing on a, a former NBA employee in a special consultant role to really to help us run league operations. We are driving forward. Well, I actually don't even remember. Had David West joined us when we spoke? No, no, he hadn't. Yeah. So David West is former warrior is our COO, former warrior, uh, Hornet, Pacer and Spur, but most recently <laughs> with the Warriors. Um, and, you know, two-time All-Star, two-time world champion, um, and awesome, awesome individual, um, is our COO now. And he is running, essentially, the recruiting operations, where, while Ricky, our CEO, is running the partnering with networks, getting sponsors, signing contracts, because he's a lawyer, um, and then Keith and I just sort of go along with the ride. Keith Sparks and I. Keith is from Houston. And um, um, we we hope in the next – so it's mid-September now. I would say before the end of October we will announce our the, – the term that they use in, in the industry is distribution partner, which is a fancy way of saying TV. But because not all TV is over the air anymore – broadcast they don't know what to call it so distribution but basically the way you'll be able to watch hbl games and we're hoping uh if things go well in the, in the negotiations to make a big splash with that i don't want to overpromise, so i won't say but um that's coming soon um and from we're going to start rolling out team names and logos we've got a great uh artist doing the initial concept work and and like i go and every time he sends me one i go and make a mug so I'll have this like secret bootleg stash of, of concept art HBL mugs. Um, but we're really we're really looking forward to that. And then the next big announcements are going to be coach hires and then athlete commits. So you know it all has to fall into place. The but in the course of the recruiting process, a thing we learned we have since we talked, of course, five different highly recruited athletes, four or five star athletes from the class before ours, the class of 2019 that's coming in now, announced that they're going to go play down in the, the NBL in Australia, which on the one hand is they're, they're a new competitor to us now. Now we have another professional league that's willing to hire athletes right out of, co of high school 
that we have to compete with. We we think though that it's really concept proving in some sense because if if R.J. Hampton is willing to give up a chance to go to pick your whichever prestigious university uh, is offering him a scholarship and instead move to New Zealand, which is like exactly 12 hours off of where his parents will be. So difficult to watch. It's the same language, at least, but it's definitely it's even more of a different culture than going to a predominantly white college institution. Um, And um, uh, do that for what amounts to seventy, eighty thousand dollars U.S. when you when you deal with the exchange rate, um, then we think that when we're out there and we're offering him the the athletic scholarship, whether which he can defer if he wants to go pro after a year um, and use later, the higher compensation, the close to home, the ability to develop an American brand rather than an uh, Australia New Zealand brand, that we have lots of advantages, but. It helps us with our investors because a lot of them are like, who in who in his right mind would turn down a scholarship for Duke to get paid only one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? And we're like, well, look at these guys who are going halfway around the world for seventy thousand. Um, so, so that's that's a big development, and and we think that that's really, in some sense, going to be. You're going to see this ever more. David talks about how the the class of twenty twenty, the class of twenty twenty one after that, they aren't. They aren't willing to accept the status quo. But for us, a big impediment has been, well, how what television channel are you going to be on? How are people going to see me? I need to get like the whole point of me going to college for one or two or however many years is to build a brand and and get seen by scouts. And so we have really, really focused on making the next big thing that we do, the TV announcement. And then we think the, the other pieces fall into place after that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that's even more exciting than the last time we talked. So yeah. Keep, that, oh, yeah. Keep, so it's, keep it's, taking us, on that. it's taking us for effing ever. But um, uh, we are we, we have this, you know, like when I first talked about the idea, it was literally a paper concept. It was an idea. And then people started working on it. And so it was like a volunteer project. We're a business now <laughs> and <laughs> and we are close to being a league. Shoot. And when that happens, you know, I mean, I could be wrong. Like nobody might no, we, we might turn on the lights and and nobody will watch. But I think that if we make if we make it work, we will really we will have changed the way that America thinks about athletic value as, you know, athletes as humans with value, if that makes sense. Awesome. I love it. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be definitely first person watching Yes. So thank you again, Andy, for joining us. So, so I'm gonna follow him. <laughs> Wait, what? Would you have something? I was gonna say. So so can I can I offer you a discount on a future pass? No. <laughs> 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 Always be selling. I'm all, I'm all, I'm always excited for a discount. So yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow Andy on Twitter at it's at Andy HRE. Is that right? That's that's correct. All right, fantastic. At Andy HRE, and be on lookout for the HBL coming soon. That's what I'll coming say. Coming soon exactly. to a, to a court know. near you. <laughs> yeah, coming soon to a court near you. Thank you, Andy, so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Just as a quick follow-up, SB206 just passed the Senate, the California Senate, with a unanimous vote. So now it's up to uh, Governor Newsom to sign it into law. 
Antonio Brown has been, um, or has allegedly, I guess there's rape allegations against him, three different charges of rape and sexual assault. I mean, to stubble over my words there, but I just want to get it right. Alleged rape and sexual assault allegations. Right. So, I normally when I hear about um, somebody being accused of sexual assault or rape, my first instinct is normally, well, it's probably something to this. Um, and that was my first reaction was that it's probably something to this. And I, I looked at some of the details, and I was like, you know, I really, I really have no idea. I have no way of knowing. I wasn't there. Um, it's one of those things. Normally, like you, like every every time like a crime happens between like a police officer shooting like an unarmed black person, they always say let's wait for the details to come out, you know. And normally that's a cop out because there's like video evidence of the policeman shooting the black person in cold blood. Uh, this is not that type of situation though. Like all we have is he said, she said. Apparently, Antonio Brown has been cooperating with the police, um, which makes which leads me to believe that the Patriots knew about this. When they decided to sign him, um, I think that's less important than whether or not he's actually guilty of this crime. So I remember I was reading a tweet that said if he's lying, um, then he committed a crime and he's he's probably should go to jail for it. Or not probably she should go to jail for it. If she's lying, she committed several crimes and is continuing to commit a crime by attempting to extort Antonio Brown. He says that that she's uh, attempting to extort him. He says that the sex that they had was consensual and that, in fact, there was there was consensual group sex involving his baby mother and the trainer in question. Um, but I really, I really have no idea what to make of any of this. Uh, I think all I can do at this point is wait for whatever details come out and then we'll all be able to make whatever decision once all that is known. But right now, this is like one of the... Like the few times where we actually need to wait and see. Yeah, normally it's it's much more cut and dry, but from where with the information that we have right now on uh, the 11th of September 2019 at 7:44 p.m. Central Standard Time, <laughs> all we can all we can do is wait for more information to come out. Um, that might sound like a cop out, but that, that that's where I'm at at this point with it. Um, it's like I think it's just so it also goes to show like not nothing can just be normal with Antonio Brown. Nothing. Everything this offseason, whether by his own design or not, has been something of a circus. So, like, they talk about players being distractions and you don't want to sign such and such player because they're a distraction. This is, like, an actual distraction, right? So, like, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick come into their press conference today. They get asked about it. They both sidestep the question. But, like, at this time of year, like, we're, we're already – this is week two in the NFL – You'd rather be focusing on, you know what I'm saying, the game at hand and getting your new teammate acclimated into the system as opposed to, did you guys know that this allegation was coming when you signed him? Um, so, yeah, it's definitely this is definitely a distraction for the Patriots at the very least. Once again, that's not as important as whether or not he actually did this, but um, hopefully justice is served whether he did it. If he did it, I hope he goes to jail for it. If he didn't do it, then I hope um, there's justice f- for him as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrible situation uh, either way. So hopefully justice is done in, uh, in this case. 
So ESPN put out a list. They put out a list of, what is it? Since this is the 150th year of college football, they put out a, a list of the 150 greatest college football teams of all time. So um, it does not follow what I would consider to be conventional wisdom. Most people would say the 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the best college football team of all time. And it's not an unreasonable thing to say, right? They had 38 players drafted from that roster. That's nearly half the scholarship players. Because there's 85 scholarship players on a team uh, now. So 38 is almost half of that. That's ridiculous. Um, they did go undefeated. They did win the national championship. So it's not ridiculous to say that 2001 Miami is the best team. ESPN had them ranked number seven. That's probably a little bit low. I would have, if you had them anywhere five to seven, I wouldn't argue with you. Um, but I don't think they're number one. Uh, the team I think is number one is actually not list number one. They my my pick for greatest college football team of all time is the team the ESPN actually has number four, 1995 Nebraska. Now that Nebraska team actually was repeating as national champions. They won every game by at least 14 points. They're the only team in college football history to ever win. Oh, excuse me, the only national champion since 1950, so modern history to win every game by at least two touchdowns. They scored at least 35 points in every game. They set an NCAA record as a t- by averaging seven yards per rushing attempt as a team. Can you imagine that? Like, just imagine seeing seven that, like watching that rush. team. Seven. Yeah, as a Boy. team. Man. As a team. <laughs> That's like, like, why even play them? Like, what's the point? If they're going to get seven <laughs> yards of rush, like... I mean, because mm-hmm. that means if if you're getting seven yards of rush, that means play action is going to work every single play. Yes, you can run play action at any time; it's going to work. Yes, like God, because because you have to respect the run. You getting three, seven yards of rush. You might you don't even have to pass the ball. You just you just passing to gloat at that point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the team that they did have ranked number one, 1971 Nebraska. I was not that familiar with that Nebraska team, but looking at their resume. It's hard not to have them number one. So you look at them, they beat what ended up being the number two, three, and four team in the country that year. And they blew out two of them. So they beat uh, number two, Alabama, 38 to six in the, in the Orange Bowl. They beat what was number nine, Colorado. Now, Colorado ended up being the number three team in the country. They beat them 31 to seven. And they beat Oklahoma 35 31. In what was called the game of the century, Oklahoma was ranked number two, Nebraska was ranked number one when they played that game. So, like you look, so people always want to talk about, well, what NFL players did they have, right? I, I don't think that's as important as how dominant you were relative to your contemporaries. So, I, I was arguing with like three people at once about about <laughs> about uh, 2001 Miami not being the best team ever, and my biggest contention for why I don't think it, which, which is just, not to say that I don't think they're a great team. They obviously are. I just don't think they're the best team ever. And the argument that people always give me is, well, look at how many NFL players they had. I'm like, sure, but having the most having the most talent does not make you the best team. If it did, the 2011 Miami Heat would have beaten the Dallas Mavericks and been NBA champions that year. They did not, and they were not. So clearly, it's not just talent that makes you the best team. That Miami team was poorly coached. They barely beat what ended up being a four-loss Boston College team. All the ranked teams that they beat that year ended up with four losses, except for Nebraska in the national championship game. Um, so, because, like, the argument somebody tried to make to me was, 
Oh, yeah. Like, Nebraska put up gaudy stats against, like, Pacific and a bunch of other unranked teams. Well, the ranked teams that they played, I'll give you their final rankings and the number of losses that they had. They beat what ended up being number four ranked Colorado by more than two touchdowns. They beat Colorado 44 to 21 Jeez. at Colorado. They Ooh. beat... They beat what ended up being number 10, Kansas. They beat Can- number 10, Kansas, 30, 41 to 3. Kansas was number 10? At, at, yeah. <laughs> no. at, and then, and then th- this was at Kansas they did this. Hmm. And then they, and they also beat what ended up being number 6, Kansas State, 49 to 25. So what are we talking about here? And then they won the national championship against number 2, Florida, 62 to 24. So it's... <laughs> So they, no. they they played four ranked teams and blew out all four of them. I feel like that's a no brainer, right? Yeah, like like at the very least, no brainer better than that Miami team. It's not, you know, like yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't get the argument. Just, yeah, just we're not talking about who had the most talent on the team. We're talking about whose team was the best. The team is everybody involved. It goes from the coaching. To the to the players, to how everything is organized, to the scheme within the games, to um, you know, it's the it's all that. It's not just the players, not just how talented the players are, how many players get drafted. It's not, yeah. Come on, y'all, y'all do better. Yeah, and like I said, it's not to say that Miami team wasn't great. It absolutely was. They just weren't better. Like, look, if you struggle to beat Boston College eighteen to seven, and then you struggle to beat. Would end up being a four-loss Virginia Tech team, twenty-six to twenty-four. You're not the best team of all time. <laughs> not when there's teams that blew out every single team that they played. Man, like, 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 if it was a situation where you couldn't point to a team that had won every game by two touchdowns, then yeah, I might re- like. For example, ESPN has two thousand four USC number two. USC had some struggles that year. I don't. I don't agree with them being number two. I would have my, uh, my, 1972 USC ranked over 2004. So my They're question more is because because US 2004 and 2005 USC were they really all that different in the makeup of their team? Uh, well, 2005 USC didn't win the national championship. No, I'm I'm saying though because 2005 Texas won the national championship. So my thing yeah. is if they if USC has a similar team, but then Texas beat that team. Then why is Texas ranked below USC? Well, they're ranked below 2004 USC. That's what I'm saying. So, well, I'm guessing they don't have a the, the make. I guess 2004 USC was like a was like noticeably noticeably better than 2005 USC. Well, what I would say is they won the championship. Okay. And they were more they were more dominant than Texas was. Okay. Is I guess is the contention. All right. Well, you know what? Let's pull up now. Let's pull up 2005 Texas. Let me look at their season. Because I remember Texas being like cold. That year. They were. They were. Let's see. Let's look at the season. Now, I'm sure some people are like, you're really just going to look at the scores and decide that that makes the team more dominant. Well, I don't, I'm not going to go back and watch all the games. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Okay. So, so, yeah. For starters. Now, this is kind of nitpicking. I fully, I freely admit but like they did uh, only beat Ohio State by three points. Number now is this was number four ranked Ohio State at the time, but they only beat them by three points, twenty five twenty two. They 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 had to come back to win that game. But they did they blew out everybody else. So 
And they and the ESPN has that that uh, 2005 Texas team ranked number six all the time. Mm-hmm. No, I don't so, know it, it's it's like it, it's not it is so close in ranking that it's not like a big deal. I was just wondering because it seemed like the the Texas team beat the USC team and it ended up being ranked lower than them. <laughs> so as that's why I was like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. But I also also felt like uh, 2018 Clemson is probably ranked a little high, seeing as they had to struggle to beat Syracuse at home. They they had 2018 Clemson at five. I would have put uh, 2005 Texas over them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I think it all. I say all that to say this: 2001 Miami is not the best college football team ever. They're the best. Of, they're like they're the greatest assembly of talent, arguably. Somebody was trying to tell me a few years ago that there's a USC team that had more talent than Miami. I was not able to verify that. But for the sake of this conversation, I would say 2001 Miami is the greatest collection of talent, but that doesn't make them the best team. They weren't. Also, shout out to um, 1966 Michigan State with all them black players that the South didn't want. Well, the white schools that the South didn't want. You know, back right. when like Grambling was cold and stuff. You know, Michigan and Southern <laughs> University and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the SWAC man. was the best. Was better than the SEC back Hell then. Hell yeah, man! But Michigan State, Michigan State won like six titles in that era. You know, because yeah, well, well, <laughs> they they claim six titles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know I'm saying nobody else claiming them titles, so. <laughs> you know, yeah, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the Wikipedia page says six titles. I'm gonna go with six titles. All right, hey, fair you know enough. <laughs> thing, that, thing that's funny to me is at one point Michigan State had more claimed national titles than Big Ten titles. That's not the case now since Marty Antonio's been there. But I, I, I thought that was hilarious for years. <laughs> it's like, so y'all were the best team in the country more than y'all were the best team in your conference? Okay, <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, they they, they really <laughs> they really put nineteen oh two Michigan on this job. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking at anything before nineteen fifty. I'm sorry. That's, That's what just... I'm saying. You can't you can't count those things. I don't care who played back in the nineteen hundreds. Them teams was like so lopsided. Like <laughs> Yeah. <For laughs> they real. just let they let anybody on the field back then. Like not even joking. Literally, they let anybody on the they field just back then. Pull people from the fucking stands and shit back then. <laughs> they yeah. were, that's not even a joke. That's not even like a they, joke. They, it's like they would. Matter of fact, I was watching um, Beef History on um, on YouTube, mm-hmm. which is uh, done by SB Nation, and they're talking about the history of Georgia versus Georgia Tech. And one of the early games in that series, Georgia Tech had like they had signed this dude that was like thirty something years old. Like like they had they had signed him as a, they had signed him on as a student like three days before, and then like he. He like he enrolled the student three days before, and then he left school like the day after the game. <laughs> like you couldn't do that now. That there's there's rules specifically to prevent people doing shit like that. But like literally, they used to just like people didn't even have to be students at the school <laughs> to, to, play, yeah. to play on the college football was, team. Was NCAA even like a thing yet? Yeah, yeah it was must have, must have been a loose organization back then. That was back it's, when it was like true amateurism. Yeah, it's like it's like they used to. Um, they used to play against, like, have teams play against, like, like the local YMCA and shit. And, like, count, like Michigan has won over a thousand games in their football program's history. There's a decent chunk of those games that are against, like, schools that don't exist anymore, the local YMCA, the high schools, 
Like literally, like boys and girls club, like shit like that. They could never be University of Chicago though. Correct. Yeah, man. The University of the Shy back when they had a football team. You know what I'm saying? They were pretty good. No, they were cold actually. I ain't gonna say pretty. They were cold for the era of that they were playing. And then- and then one day they're just like, nah, we're going to focus on academics. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it's a, it's a great school. It's a great school. You know, academic. It really is. They don't it have really a football is. team, though, anymore. So, Nope. Nope. But, yeah, man. Interesting list that's been put together. I don't agree with it. But, <laughs> no, not the list uh, you mentioned. <laughs> but but, but not, not for the reasons that most people would disagree with it. I. It is hard to argue against 71 Nebraska, though. Like, how do you – I've never seen anybody else beat – the number two, three, and four team in the country, like in the and, same and win the national championship. Yes, that's impressive. That is very impressive. Yeah, I think honestly, you could probably make a case for like all these teams. Any but, team in the top seven, I think you can make yeah. a case for them to be number one. Yeah, this it's just it's just um, at the end of the day, it's so us an SEO grabs way to get um increase your engagement. Get people get yourself trending on Twitter in terms of that's what ESPN has done with this. So, congratulations, we've all been played. My thing is, I'll talk about college football teams, especially college football history, anytime you give me the chance. So, I appreciate ESPN for doing that at least. It's time for college football week three. Pick them. We're picking. What? You know how it goes. You know what I'm saying I list the teams, the time they play, and we uh, select who we think is going to win. And typically, maybe by how much uh, depends on who's playing and how big the blowout is probably going to be. So first, prime time Friday night, eight fifteen Central, ESPN, Washington State, twentieth ranked team versus Houston, H Town, H Town takeover. Who you got? Man, this is a tough call. So I'm, I'm, I was looking, doing a little background. Uh, we've been running the ball pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering we have not really run our quarterback, the super dynamic, Derek King. Um, Washington State has not been defending the run well, even against like the, the shitty teams they've been playing. So mm-hmm. that gave me some hope. Um, okay. Our line has looked pretty good run blocking. So that, that, that sounds good to me. Um, the biggest question is, can our defense hold them under 40? <laughs> um, that sounds funny to say, but that's what, no, they're, gonna, that's true. what, what they're gonna have to do. <laughs> can we hold them under 40? And um can can De'Ara King get on track passing the ball? I think yeah. what we saw in the second half against Oklahoma is once he's able to get into a rhythm running and you know moving around, he's much more dynamic and he becomes a more accurate passer. So it's really is 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 Dana gonna let him let let Derek be Derek, you know what I mean? I feel um, like he started calling his own number in the second half of that game. Like he was just it's like, possible because that's what it felt like. But we'll see. We'll see what happens on Friday. I got Houston. I think if they let Derek go, then we have a good chance. So it's gonna sound like a homer pick, but I I like Houston as well. Plus it's it's in Houston, so yeah, I like I like Houston. So next up, number six Ohio State. At Indiana, 11 a.m. on Fox this Saturday. Ohio State. Ohio State. See, I'm, I'm gonna go with Ohio State. I don't. You see, Indiana is always that team that um that be scaring me because like every now and then they'll just upset a random team, you know. 
It's, I don't think it's going to happen this weekend, though. So I'm going to go with Ohio no. State. I'm going to go to Ohio State. Um, Pitt at number 13, Penn State. 11 a.m. ABC. Penn State, I think, is a little overrated. Okay. But but Pitt has not looked great this year. This might be a chance for them to bounce back. I'm going Pitt uh, by field goal. I'm going to go with Penn State because I haven't actually seen like a really good Pittsburgh team in a while. So... Didn't they go to the conference championship game? Was that last year? I didn't watch them last year, Obi. I said I haven't <laughs> seen a good Pitt oh, team. Fair. I, I didn't say it hasn't been a good Pitt. I just haven't seen them. Okay, last time I saw Pittsburgh, we came back and, and with the biggest fourth quarter comeback in bowl history. Houston versus Pittsburgh, whatever, Armed Forces Bowl or whatever. Yeah, it was Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, Texas. Of yes, course it was. Right. We and, and I remember texting my friend who went to Pitt at the time and being like, <laughs> and being like, hi. And he was like, man, I hate y'all. I was like, look, man, Greg Ward. I told you about Greg Ward. You should listen to me. I'm saying maybe True. maybe I could have game plan better. Number 21, Maryland at Temple, 11 a.m. on CBS Sportsnet. How much will Maryland win this game by? Uh, Maryland wins by 45 points. <laughs> I'm going with 50. Because uh, Temple ain't been the same since what's-his-face left. Matt so, Rule? Yeah, they ain't been the same since. He had sure. them rolling a little bit. Low-key, a little bit rolling. Uh, with that undersized running back. He had him looking like, a, like an amazing player. Anyway, number twenty, number two, Alabama at South Carolina, 2.30 on CBS. So South Carolina is going to want to bounce back after that crushing loss to North Carolina. Where North Carolina basically gave them like a chance to win the game. By uh, by the quarter, the freshman quarterback didn't understand what Mac Brown wanted him to do. Mac wanted him to run around until time expired and then take a knee. The kid just took a knee, so on fourth <laughs> down. So that gave South Carolina the ball, but then the quarterback for South Carolina got sacked. He fumbled, and uh, North Carolina took the ball back for a touchdown, which was not counted for a touchdown. I don't, I still don't know why, but yeah. They're going to want to bounce back. They will not be able to. Oh, uh, Alabama rolls. I like Alabama by four scores. <laughs> you said all that just to be like, Alabama's going to blow them boys out. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, I think is I feel like it's going to be close early, just randomly. But it's going to be like, I feel like you said this on the podcast, on the last episode, where you said it's going to, where it, it feel like, it might be like, Alabama might be up by seven at one point, but it's going to feel like they're up by 70, and Alabama's going to end up pulling away in the second half by all them adjustments and everything. You know, that's my take. With Tua, they don't even do adjustments. They just uh, they just jump on you. They just jump. Oh, yeah, that's right. They had those four, like, NFL receivers. Never mind. Yes. Alabama by, like, like as as many as they want to, as much as they want to win by, as many points as they, as they feel like winning by in that, that moment of time. As much as, they, as it takes to get their point across. Yes. Stanford at number 17, UCF. That's Central Florida. Uh, 2.30 p.m. ESPN. You said it's at UCF? Yes. So Stanford just got rocked by USC. Mm-hmm. USC with a true freshman starter at quarterback. Um, I I don't see Stanford winning this shit. I got, I got UCF. <laughs> UCF by 10. American Conference. See, UCF is a team to be feared by all, you know, um, it's random. I was randomly thinking about Martavius Odoms, who's from uh, with Pahokee, Florida. And I was thinking yeah. about how he probably should have transferred to like either South Florida or Central Florida 
once um, Rich Rod uh, got fired. But anyway, it's not here nor there. Uh, Central Florida is going to win this game. Um, I think it's going to – honestly, I think they're probably going to blow them out because Central Florida is like – when they're ranked, that means they're really good. Like, I don't know what it is, but when they ranked, that means they they the real deal. I've never – I have not – I've yet to see uh, a ranked Central Florida team that was not a team to be feared. So, I think they're going to – I think they're going to blow out Stanford, especially since it's at home. Uh, let's see. Number 24, USC at BYU, 2.30 p.m., ABC. At BYU? Yes. Mm. Okay, so this is going to be the first hostile territory for true freshmen – my man's name Clovis Selden, something like Selden Clovis. Is he? Black? He's one of those inter- No, what? No, <clears throat> what? Yeah, he has a very interesting name for a white guy. Okay, but yeah, it's gonna be first time he's playing hostile territory. Um, it's gonna be a challenge, honestly. Like BYU is not nice like that, but playing at BYU is very difficult to do, especially yeah. for a true freshman. It's his first game on the road. Um, although I'll tell you what, Graham Harrell. Is one of those coaches that's like, look, I don't care if you're freshman or not. These are the players we're running them, so <laughs> they're not going to baby him. They're going to let him go, make his mistakes, whatever. Uh, I like USC closer than the experts. Uh, USC by ten. USC by ten. Is um is playing at BYU kind of like playing the Utah Jazz at Utah? Uh. Yeah, anywhere you play in the state of Utah, you're gonna get a little bit of that element. Although mm-hmm. it's different in basketball because people are way closer to you. True. On while you're actually playing, the only time you get to you can interact with fans in football is when you're on the bench on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Whereas in basketball, like while you're in the middle of a play, you could conceivably hear somebody saying something to you. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know who's gonna win this game. I I just I just pick USC. Uh, Arizona State. At number 18, Michigan State, 3 p.m. on Fox. I'm actually very intrigued by this game that I won't be able to watch. because <laughs> I'll be busy doing stuff with, with, with our mom. Uh, but um, this game is going to show us if that Michigan State offense is for real or not. Yeah, for sure. They one, week, one week where they look like utter garbage, which we talked about on uh, the Monday episode. Um, and then last, and then this past weekend, they put up 51 points on what was it, Western, um, Western Michigan. Yeah. So if they can, they they, I want to see them score at least 35 points. Okay, that's what I want to see. I kind of don't believe in their offense at this point, so I'm gonna say Michigan State 28, Arizona State seven. But if the yeah. but if if the, if the offense is for real, they should score at least 35 points. Yeah, because that defense is for real. And yes. uh, defense will win your championships, as they say. But I still don't know if they're talking about football or basketball. So anyway, <laughs> I am going with Michigan State because um, most of their roster is back from what, last year. Last They played Arizona State last year and got like embarrassed a little bit, right? Uh, they lost a close game, but it was a game that they should have won. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because it was close, but it shouldn't have really been close. Uh, yeah, no, I shouldn't have blown off from yeah. Michigan State. So I feel like they have a. I feel like MSU has a sour taste in their mouth. They at home. Um, you know, Brian Lewerke is going to want to play better. He he showed that he's he's at least capable. You know what I'm saying? At least last last week he showed that he's at least capable. So I I like Michigan State. Um, I I think I, I'm thinking at least 35 to 35 10. I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. That'd be great. 
<laughs> Number 19, Iowa at Iowa State, 3 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. At Iowa State? Yeah. Funny funny things happen in Ames, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Very funny things happen in Ames, Iowa. You know what? I'm going to Iowa State. Iowa State by field goal. That's a safe assumption because it don't matter how good Iowa is. It don't matter how good any team is. When you play Iowa State, Especially at Iowa State. <laughs> Weird things happen in Ames, Iowa. Is all, this, I'm, I'm telling you. Like every I, year. Like I told Humble Tees before the season started. Or not even for like during that week one. He was like, man, y'all told me Iowa State is going to be good. And y'all lied to me again. And I was like, look, man, every team, I, every year Iowa State is sorry. And every year they embarrass somebody who's ranked. Somebody who's in the Big 12 probably. So is this the team that's going to embarrass this year? Maybe. They might embarrass a couple teams. They embarrassed yeah. a couple teams the last couple of years. Okay, then. You know what I'm saying? So, they, so maybe they'll embarrass Iowa this weekend, may, and then maybe they'll go on to embarrass, you know what I'm saying, UT, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe uh, TCU, you know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe Oklahoma. Maybe, I don't think Oklahoma's going to get embarrassed. Nah. Man, the, the, they, they beat Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield. That's true. That's true. Jalen Hurts not as nice as Baker Mayfield. That's true, but I don't know. I, I just I just feel good about Oklahoma this year. That's that's all it is. I just I just it's just something. But I don't know. I feel good about Oklahoma this year. So, I but any but anyway, uh, Iowa at Iowa State. Ooh, I go with Iowa. I go with Iowa. You know, what I'm saying um, Florida State at number twenty five, Virginia, six thirty p.m. On the ACC network, so I won't be able to watch this game, but um, I'm sure, you know, I'll see highlights. I guess I don't know who you got. So Florida State did something interesting. They hired Jim Levitt as a quote-unquote defensive assistant. Uh, what what that tells me is that our guy Harlan Barnett, former Michigan State defensive coordinator, his days are numbered. Um, Florida Florida State defense does not look good. In the two years, in the year, and some change that he's been there, um, which is unfortunate because I I hate that he's not doing well because every time I go on a Michigan State message board, I see all these racist white people talking shit about Harlan Barnett. And I'm like, Nick, please turn this shit around. I, I'm tired of having to skip over these threads of <laughs> these white people shitting on you. But now nah, he just mm, can't get it going. So Jim Levitt, I'm pretty sure, will be the defensive coordinator in practice, if not in title. Um, going forward, and I expect the Florida State defense to look better. So I'm taking them for the to upset Virginia by by a touchdown. This is the Florida State that has Art Bro- no, not Art Browse, Kendall Browse, right as the yeah. OC. See them mm-hmm. them Browse boys is bad luck, you know what I mean? Um, and Florida State was already talking a lot of mess about Virginia, and Virginia. But that was before we knew that Jim Levitt was going to be calling the defense. Look, He's very good. I don't. I don't care. I got Virginia. I got Virginia. I won't be able to watch the game because I don't get ACC Network. But I got Virginia. Nobody gets ACC Network. That's why yeah. I put the game on there so nobody has to see Florida State get rocked. <laughs> well, how you go? Well, my whole thing is how you gonna have primetime games on a channel that nobody gets. Like that, like that's I, the that's I, I, the I don't know, man. That's the prime time game. Like I don't. There's like all the other games on Saturday night ain't really worth a damn. Um. So. Anyway, anyway, that concludes college football week three. Pick 'em. 
And that concludes this week's episode of Run the Play. My name is Obes. He's Cha. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, Run the Play Pod. That's R U N T H E P L A Y P O D. Still under construction, but you can follow us at the CS Pod in the meantime. That's T H E C S P O D. T H E C S P O D. Cha, where can the people follow you at? You can follow me at Cha is Nuclear on both Twitter and Instagram. The way you were spelling that reminded me of um, when Jonesy was rapping in prison on Reno 911. Trying to incarcerate me, Jonesy, you see? <laughs> I don't know. Um, very few people will get that reference. Or I guess the, the um, OG uh, Reno 911 fans might get that reference. Anywho, check out my website, NuclearKite.com. Uh, you know, got the music on there. Album finally came out. You know what I'm saying? Came out on my birthday, August 15th. It was, it was a fun gift to give to myself and to y'all. Um, go check it out. Mind of a Recluse. Go check out Channel 20 by my man Z's. Got some new projects coming out in uh, November as well as early next year. So, you know what I'm saying? Be on the lookout for those things. And um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We out here. Thank you for listening to the Run the Play podcast. And we'll see you on Monday.